Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? So time has passed, and Ruth has no doubt faithfully gleaned during the barley and the wheat harvest under Boaz's care. Naomi now, having a better feel for the situation between Boaz and Ruth, realizes that Boaz is willing to take Ruth as his wife and redeem Naomi's husband's land, so she lays out a plan. Verse 2, Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. And winnowing and threshing are the processes of extracting grain from the stalk of wheat. After a harvest, when all the stalks are gathered, they would take them to a threshing floor and beat the stalks, causing the grain to fall from the head of the stalk. Once that process was complete, they would take a winnowing device, like a pitchfork, scoop up the grain and other particles of the stalk left over from the threshing process and and toss them in the air. And the grain would fall back to the ground, but the other particles called chaff would float off from the grain. So you, in effect, were separating the chaff from the grain. So this is hard work, and Boaz was staying at the threshing floor until the process was complete. Verse 3. Wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. So what Naomi's doing is she's preparing Ruth to approach Boaz to ask him to redeem her. And that involves marriage. And she's not setting them up on a date. She's initiating this process because it appears that they both are interested in each other and it's the best scenario. So Naomi's acting as sort of a counselor saying, okay, let's get this thing going. So she said, clean up yourself and cover yourself and go to the threshing floor. Verse 4, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. So this sounds weird, but actually what she's doing is part of that process of asking Boaz to take her as his wife and redeem her. Now, Naomi knew Boaz was attracted to Ruth. That wouldn't be hard to figure out. But Ruth appears to be a lot younger than Boaz, so any type of advance by Boaz would probably feel inappropriate to him. Ruth has likely also shown an interest in Boaz, and Naomi appears to be eyeballing this relationship and saying, would you guys just pull the trigger? Here, let me help you. So as a widow in the family of Elimelech, Ruth had the right to request the nearest kinsman or relative redeem her. So now Naomi sets the stage. Verse 5, and she replied, all that you say I will do. Ruth says, all right, I'm in. Verse 6, she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. Verse 7, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. So Boaz has eaten and apparently got lit at dinner, and he goes to sleep, and then Ruth makes her move. Verse 8, At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Now imagine if someone had seen them before he awoke. This would be a big scandal and may jeopardize Naomi's plan, but nobody did. And when Boaz is awakened, probably by Ruth nudging him, he sees a woman lying there. Now they had no lights in these days other than the stars and the moon, so it's not clear to Boaz who this person is, but he does see that it's a woman. Verse 9, he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So he's probably frightened when he says this, Who are you? And Ruth, no doubt nervous, tells him to cover her as her redeemer. And Boaz knew what this meant. It meant she wanted to marry him. She was willing, and she wanted her land. Verse 10, And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So Boaz gets it, and he's happy 
that Ruth has not pursued younger men, rather him. Verse 11, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. So he says yes, and I can imagine him tearing up while nodding up and down. Yes. All emotional. He also assures her that this thing will be acceptable among the people, for her virtuous reputation is known. She had a good reputation. A hardworking, kind-hearted, honorable person. It makes life so much better. And for parents, when you're teaching your kids, teach them to have a good reputation. Teach them to be of noble character. In Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is what we need to be teaching our kids. This is what will profit you in life. Having a reputation of truth, of honor, just, purity, all these things, very important. And Ruth has that. And that reputation was something that was very valuable, not only to her, but to Boaz himself. If Boaz is going to take a wife, obviously a wife of noble character would be a wife he was interested in marrying, and she had that. And the people in the town would respect her because Boaz was apparently respected, and so it's a good match. If you want your kids to marry someone who is respectable, teach them to be respectable. Have self-respect. Stand up for what's right. Don't let them go down that path of me, 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 and think the whole world revolves around them. It doesn't. A good reputation is more valuable than gold. Verse 12, And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. So he cautions her that there is a relative closer that has sort of first dibs. So he needs to approach this man first and offer him the opportunity to redeem her and the land before he can do it himself. Verse 13, Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. The next day, Boaz is going to take care of it. Verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the threshing floor. So she gets up and leaves before anybody could recognize it. Again, if there was a woman at the threshing floor, you're going to have a whole bunch of angry wives marching up there with their shotguns. Verse 15. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. He counts out six measures of barley, and he sends her off. Why six? We're not told, but it's interesting in Scripture that the number seven is often used symbolically of completeness. One of many examples is the book of Daniel, where a Gentile king orders a furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than it usually is, and they didn't have a thermostat, but basically he said just max it out, take it to the limit. The book of Revelation uses the number seven many times in this manner. So it may be that six measures of barley would communicate to Naomi that something is not yet complete. Verse 16, And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. Verse 17, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Verse 18, She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but settle the matter today. So she understands that the matter will be hammered out soon and encourages Ruth, who's likely really nervous, to wait. Good advice. Wait on the Lord. Psalm 123, 2. 
Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Psalm 130 verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So good advice from Naomi. Ruth, hey, you got to wait. This is in God's hands, and he'll straighten the matter out. Thank you.